Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the Patriot Sport is brought to you by Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts today. On the Patriots Report, my co-host Chris Hogan and I talk about Bill Belichick's future in New England, the relationship between players and the media, and what can be done to improve things, and look ahead to New England-Denver set for Christmas Eve in Colorado. That's all up right now, only on the Patriots Report. All right, Chris, Patriots end up losing past weekend to Kansas City in a game that was pretty good for two and a half quarters. But again, in the end, a lot of guys in the locker room said this. They hung with them. They were proud for hanging with the Chiefs, but at the same time, they couldn't close. Yeah, I mean, same same story, different week, right? There's a lot of a lot of good things. I, I mean, listen, I, I texted you and I, I did. I, I said to this to a couple of different people, this team was unrecognizable in the first half, mm-hmm. you know, Defense was playing lights out. We came away with turnovers. We had energy. Zinfi was making the right throws. What I found really impressive was his ability. It seemed like it affected him a little bit later in the game, but he was staying inside the pocket. And he knew that, yeah, there is going to be pressure, but he was stepping up and making some of those throws. Guys were coming up, making plays. Pop Douglas came back on scene. Like, I mean, it was obvious to me that you know we've been missing him for the last couple of weeks because kids are gonna be, I think he's gonna be a very good football player. Um, you know, he was going against some of some very good defensive backs and probably one of their better defensive backs at that nickel position for Kansas City. And he was getting open, you know, and he was making plays, catching the ball. No one won the, the you know, we feel like we're gonna talk about this for the rest of the year. No one the plays over, got down, moved on. Um and that that first half, it seemed like, you know, this team had the ability. Listen, we're not built to play from behind. We we all know that because we just don't score enough points and we get into the you know, a situation we don't want to be in. But it felt like we had some life going into that, you know, into halftime. And, you know, listen, same again, just turnovers, you know, put your defense in bad spots and. You know, I don't care how good of a football team you are. You turn the ball over in your own end zone, it's not going to be a good situation. And, you know, it just kind of trickled on from there. But again, man, you know, listen, I saw some good things. Um, you know, I, I like the way Zappy played. I mean, I thought he played with some confidence. I thought he made some good throws. I thought, you know, he's going to watch the film. I know there's going to be some throws that he wish he had back. Um, you know, one in particular, he was stepping up in the pocket, knew he was going to take a hit. You know, but he kind of shot away from it, you know, and, and aired it over Pop's head. You know, he was wide open running across the field. You know, those are the kind of things I think he'll look back on. I think he'll learn from. You know, who knows? You know, obviously we have a couple more games left in the season. Who knows what happens, what, what kind of opportunities this kid gets. But uh, he has impressed me, you know, for the starts that he's gotten and for the plays that he's been able to make with the limited amount of reps that he's had in an actual game situation with the Patriots. I've been impressed with him. Um, you know, it seems like he's got some good energy and it seems like the team kind of rallies 
around him, you know, your quarterback and and his ability to, you know, make the right decisions and make the right plays. And, you know, that's stuff that you can, you can build off of that. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think this team can look at themselves in the mirror after this game and be like, you know, we, we beat ourselves, you know, we turned the ball over. We didn't make enough plays, but you know, you were going against, you know, one of the better defenses, you know, you did, you Travis Kelsey did not have a great game. Like he was, you know, Taylor Swift was in his, was it, you know, was there. So maybe that had something to do with it. You know, he was looking at, his, at her picture before it, you know, walking out of the tunnel. I'm sure Bill left that up maybe just to, to mess with him, but um, just mess and, and we should, and we should let people know that, that the route from the visitor's locker room to the field has these giant pictures of these great moments in Gillette stadium history. Yeah. Gillette Stadium history, and there's like a monster truck picture there. I think there's a shot of James White up there, and there's a picture of Taylor Swift in concert at Gillette Stadium. Yeah, I mean, if I'm wrong, I think Bill is a is a Swifty, uh, you know, maybe a closet <laughs> Swifty. I, I do say, I remember him saying he's got a lot of respect for the girl that went out in Gillette Stadium and did a full concert in the pouring rain. And this was back in in uh, in the summer, but yeah, you know, nonetheless, you know, I didn't think it was a terrible game. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I enjoyed watching that team in the first half, man. They were that defense was playing really, really well. Um, it was, it's definitely something that the defense, I think, can certainly build off of and feel good about. You know, there's always going to be things to correct. And I think the offense, it kind of is what it is, right? I think we made some plays, we didn't do enough. Um, and we had some costly penalties and costly, but like, you know, ticky tack penalties mm-hmm. that just, it seems like week in and week out, not even with New England, just across the league. It's just, yeah, I'm not going to say it's ruining games, but it's affecting teams, you know, in, in drives going down to score and putting themselves in field goal position or position to score. And, you know, just these ticky tacky calls are just kind of getting a little ridiculous to me, but we can save that for another conversation. <laughs> it, it, you, you texted me in the first half and you said, makes you think, about what this team might have been, and I'm paraphrasing here, if Zappi had started the year. And yeah. I went back and I looked at the numbers and I tried to kind of put some context to it and kind of you know figure out where you know, which games maybe the quarterback made a difference. You could make an argument that this team maybe would have been five and nine if yeah. Zappi had started the year. And that's assuming that he would be able to make throws that Mac wasn't able to make earlier in the season. I mean, listen, that's a that's a, a game of what ifs mm-hmm. and kind of just guessing that maybe we could have won some games with Zappi. Now I've been impressed with him over the last couple of games. Um, you know, I just, the way that he played, the way that he, it didn't seem like he was afraid to step up in the pocket. He was taking hits. He knew he was going to get hit. It didn't seem to spook him or, or scare him. Cause I know how that can be with a quarterback. Sometimes, you know, you get pressure in your face all game and, and that I'm not saying that was the case for our offensive line, but you know, that's gonna happen. That you know, you get a little scared, you know, your little feet get a little quick and you're you're exiting too fast or dropping back too much. And now you're putting your offensive line in a bad spot. But really I, I mean I really did like the way that he played. And um you know I don't want to look back on the season and be like, well if we start Zappy, we'd probably be in a better spot. Like I think we'd probably be roughly around where we're at today because you know, we just don't have the playmakers or enough around this offense really to get to, you know, top of that division and in the AFC. 
but uh, again, I was, I, I will say, I, I, he, I think he's done enough to impress some people around the league that he was able to step up, you know, won a game in Pittsburgh, which is not a tough, an easy place to win games. And, you know, seemingly played pretty well against the Chiefs. I got to ask you this question because it's all we're getting up here in New England these last couple of days. We're recording on Tuesday morning and in the wake of the loss to the Chiefs, this is the question that's all over New England, really. And a lot of your former teammates are discussing this as well. What do you think happens to Bill when the season wraps up on January 7th against the Jets? Do you think that's going to be his last game as head coach of the Patriots? It's, it's really, it's hard for a guy that's played in New England, a guy that, you know, calls New England the, the best thing of his, his career. It, it's hard for me to imagine New England without Bill Belichick. I think that there's going to be conversation at the end of the season. I think that there's going to be a conversation between Robert and I think there's going to be a conversation between the two of them. And I believe that the two of them have to come to an understanding of really where they're both at, what they both foresee the future of the New England Patriots. I mean, we're obviously in, we're living in an era now where we're relying heavily on drafts and free agency to build this team as, you know, we're in other years, you know, we Bill had a very good team. He had a good quarterback. He brought other pieces into the puzzle that he knew would fit and would help this team. I think that maybe defensively we're adding a few key pieces and we're, we're making that, that defense a little bit more whole, a couple more, maybe some playmakers on the edge. I mean, you got to remember you have Christian and Matthew, both on IR who both were playmakers. And uh, I mean, Christian's going to be back. I'm not entirely sure what Matthew's contract is, but I know if he has the ability to come back, he's a, he's a big time player. So you have both of those guys. You're going to add a couple more pieces. I think offensively, it's really like where do where do we start? I mean, and everyone's going to stay. You got to start with quarterback. So we're we're building. I think I think that if those two guys, if their vision for this team aligns and Bill wants to remain the head coach, I think he remains the head coach. I think if Bill or or Mr. Kraft doesn't agree or has, sees the the future of the New England Patriots differently. You know, that's it's a different it's a different conversation. And uh, you know, I really, I really don't know. I don't I don't really think anyone knows, you know, what's gonna happen behind closed doors with the two of them and the organization. But um it'd be tough for me to imagine Bill in a in a different color than you know, Patriots. It just I, I don't know, I, I just don't see it. I see all the pictures on Twitter and social media of him in, in like a Chargers. Uh, sweatshirt, you know, the cutoff hoodie and everything. And it just doesn't, doesn't look right to me. So, um, you know, who knows, man? I know, I know what answer Bill's going to say to everyone when he gets up on the podium. He's like, I'm focused on, you know, the next opponent, the next opponent. And, you know, he's not worried about any of that, um, which I give him credit to, man. I mean, and, I, and I've listened to some of these guys over the course of the last half of this season, especially some of the leaders that I know. And he has not changed. Mm-hmm. He is preparing this team like they are preparing to play in the playoffs, that they have, you know, to to win football games. There is no excuses. There's none of that, um, which I which I expected. I fully expected him to never. He's never going to change. He's going to prepare his team the, the best way that he knows how to and and try to put the best guys on the field that he thinks can win that football game. So. You know, it's for everyone else out there and for and for us included. You know, we're going to have to wait 
probably, I mean, who knows how long, but we have to wait a little while to really find out the end result here of where or in, what Bill's future is in the I was struck by the language you used right there when you talked about Bill remaining as the head coach of the New England Patriots, not the GM. I still yeah. believe there might I do be. Too. Yeah, I, I still believe there might be a path forward there where if Bill is amenable to the idea of bringing in a general manager and saying, look, I still want to coach. Let me hand the reins over the personnel reins. As unlikely as this may sound, I will hand the personnel reins over to someone that you bring in as a general manager. I still think there's the possibility there to have some sort of adjusted front office going into the 2024 season that still leaves Bill as the head coach. Yeah. Yeah, I think those pieces have to align correctly the whole way because you can't bring somebody in that is going to either I mean listen, disagreements can happen. We're all grown adults here and we can all have conversations about things. And um if we don't agree on bringing in a player specific, you know, like this is part of the job. You have to have conversation, weigh the pros and cons, all of that. You know, Bill's going to have to have ultimate trust in that person that they could bring in and do that job and to help him bring in different people, you know, different players and and different guys across the league. I, I certainly think that having another outside influence and, and perspective on bringing in free agents and in, even in the draft, uh, I don't see like that doesn't hurt you, you know, hopefully. Right. As long as you guys are as long as everyone's aligned in their way of thinking and, and where their vision for the team you know, that I feel like that only helps. So um, I, I, I still agree with, I agree with you. I think that's definitely a path that Bill and, and Mr. Kraft could take. The plan of, of, of having a, a, a GM in place and having a GM working with a head coach, I think is really interesting on a number of levels, not the least of which is when Bill was hired in 2000, there were probably a dozen or so head coaches who had complete control over personnel. Now it's probably, I haven't run the numbers on all 32 teams, honestly, but it's probably yeah. half that. Yeah. And so look, the game has changed. And I think that if Robert wants to make an argument to Bill, like, look, we want to keep you around, but look, the league is different now. It's too massive a job for someone to do both of those things effectively. Yeah. I mean, look at the life expectancy of head coaches. Why is a team, why is a, a an owner of a team if I owned a team, it'd be tough for me to hand off the reins to someone completely, knowing that I could fire them in a, in a year or two years. You know, let these, I'm sure these guys want to give, you know, that job to someone they know is at least going to have a vested interest in, you know, or not saying a vested is probably not the right word to use because head coaches obviously have a vested interest in their future and the team that they're coaching. But at least the guy I know that I have on contracts for, you know, I'm not going to fire right away, right? Mm -hmm. Where head coaches, you know, the turnover. <laughs> It's a lot. I mean, how, how many head coaching vacancies are we going to have this year? Seven? You know, and the next year, I don't know, probably have, have another handful of head coaches. You know, so it's every single year, I think we're just seeing the owners really put put the, the accountability into these GMs, you know, and assistant GMs to really try to build the team and let coaches coach. What Bill has done over the past two decades, really doing both of those jobs is – Knowing what goes into being a head coach in the NFL is 
Like, it's crazy, man. The amount of the amount of time and, and effort and, and work that you have to put in to do both of those things is is wild. You know, it takes a specific type of person to be able to kind of handle all of that. So, uh, you know, I think where Bill's where he is at in his career and where the the New England Patriots can go from here. Um, you know, I think the I think he he should you know gladly accept you know the help in trying to rebuild this team and, and make it into something that you know he wants. I asked you this early in the season, but I wanted to revisit it, particularly in the wake of the most recent losses. How do these games, and maybe Sunday in particular, these losses make you feel as a former Patriot? I talked to a, a number of guys who've gone through this before who say, look, it, it's tough. It's been a tough year. Are you sad, disappointed, frustrated? You guys worked for like 20 <laughs> years to build the brand in New England. And now they're a team that's jockeying for a number one pick. When you see these losses pile up week after week after week, how do you react? Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think my, my feelings have gone all over the place. I, I think what really pissed me off during the the broadcast this week was we were losing and I forget who was announcing the game, but it's like, Oh, well look on the bright side, New England, uh, Carolina won. So now you're in a better position to get them on spot. Like F that man. Like these kids, these guys are are here not playing for a number one spot in the draft pick. Like, give these guys a little bit more respect than just saying, "Oh well, you know, I get it. Everyone's on to next year," but they're not. And we've heard the how vocal these guys are in the locker room about there is no tanking. Tanking does not exist in the NFL. These guys are going out there trying to win football games week in and week out, putting their bodies, their time on the line, you know, everything that they have into the season. And guess what? It hasn't gone their way. Sure, I've been frustrated watching some of these games early on. Um, I I certainly feel have I'm so emotionally drawn to this team because of what I did for this team and what I was experienced with this team and, and what the teams that I was on, what we were able to accomplish. Every single week I want New England to win and, and win or lose a football game, I feel a certain type of way. I can tell you that watching this team, when they're able to pull together, I feel a, very, a, a sense of pride and I'm very proud to to watch them play a specific type of football. I understand that we don't have all the pieces and there's going to be mistakes, but you give me you give me energy, you give me effort, and there is no – we don't have a single guy that's on the field that's walking off the line of scrimmage, mm -hmm. you know, not blocking a guy down the field or just walking off the field and, and just, you know, head down, shoulders slump, bad body language. I don't see any of that. Like, listen, there's going to – you lose games week in and week out. I mean, it's tough, man. I mean, that's not easy to go out there every single week and then going back into the locker room and then have to, you know, talk to the media and answer all these questions and then prepare for the next game. And it's hard. You know, it's a long season. But the effort's been there. The players – Maybe not, you know, the playmakers, maybe we haven't had it. We don't have enough of, but I can't fault their effort, you know? Um, and that's something that the teams that I was on when I was there was something that we prided ourselves on that we were going to for 16, 17, 20 weeks, whatever it was, we were going to work our asses off. We can, we can sit here and complain to each other in the locker room that we're tired, that we're sore, that, Oh, you know, it's a Super Bowl. Bill's got us in full pads on a Wednesday doing, you know, goal line stuff, you know, like, but when it came time to it, man, like that's the stuff that I look back on and I'm so grateful to be a part of because 
those teams went on to do very, very great things. And I have those memories for the rest of forever. And listen, this is not going to be a season that these guys are going to want to look back on and say, no, this is a season to remember. Like it's certainly a season to forget, but at least for themselves, I think that they can, uh, I would say for a majority of these guys, they can look back and be like, listen, my, my effort never wavered. Uh, It was there week in and week out. We just didn't have the best team out there, you know, and we were close in a lot of games that just weren't, you know, wasn't able to get the job done. And that's really the way the NFL is. So and next year is a totally different year. So we're going to close the book on this one, forget about it, burn it, throw it in the trash <laughs> and move on. But like for the last couple of weeks, man, it's, you know, I guarantee you're going to, you're going to see the same effort because you still got an opportunity to really screw up some people's seasons. It's funny. You bring up the idea of tanking. You you talk about players' feelings about tanking. I was in the locker room this past week, and I asked a bunch of guys, what do you think about fans, people outside of the locker room, talking about, well, you know, at least you're, you're, you're getting closer to a number one pick. You know, you shouldn't win. Basically saying, you know, you shouldn't win. And Mac Wilson, God bless him, said, that's bullshit. And I'm like, well, Mac, I can't put bullshit in the newspaper. I can't. So he's like, he's like, okay. Tell them that that's BS. And so I was like, okay, all right, we can work with that. I understand that, Mac. That's that, that's a good one. Another journalism question here. Um, I basically straight up stole this question from Kevin Clark, who was talking to Chris Long this week on, on his podcast. And he asked him this, and I'd be really interested in getting your opinion here as a guy who's played the game. What is something about football that we in the media either ignore or don't pay enough attention to, don't write enough about, don't talk enough about that we should really be focused on more moving forward? I mean, it's it's such a tough question. I feel like there's there's so much that goes on, right? I mean, listen, the, the media's job is to write about football. And our job is to play football and to perform. And, and really – that's the relationship we're right. It's, it's like kind of like this one way street where we're both I'm doing one job and, and the media is doing another job. I I do believe that there's, and, and I actually read something that really kind of hit home with me this week. And Matthew was talking, Matthew Slater was talking about JC Jackson. Um, and this has always been how Matt, how Matthew has treated every single person that he has ever come in contact with. I mean, easily top 10, top three human beings I've ever been around in my entire life. And, you know, we always, uh, and I'm going to use JC as an example, right? I mean, there's been, since he, you know, was in San Diego or I'm sorry, LA, you know, and, and there was some issues that were going on there and who knows what was going on in his life or what was going on. But all we write about is, J.C. Jackson, the football player, and certainly, listen, he's got to help himself with some of his how he carries himself and how he behaves, and that's on him. Um, but the way that Matthew talks about the, these guys is it's not as a football player. It's, you know, these are people, too. Right. And yes, our job week in and week out is go out there and perform. And that's what we get paid very good money to do. And I firmly believe that no matter what's going on in your life, you have a accountability to your team, to the organization to continue to do that. And Bill always used to, and I've heard this a number of times throughout my career is, you know, you check your shit at the door, right? You walk in that facility, no matter what's going on, you can devote as much time 
you know, that you have in, the, in that really, it seems like the, t the days just fly by until Sunday. And then as soon as you leave, you can pick that stuff back up and deal with whatever you have going on in your family life and, and your personal life. That being said, it's easier said than done, right? It's, I, I think, I think the, the media, what sometimes gets lost in translation is these guys as, as people, um, you know, what they're doing outside of football. And sure, that's talked about a lot, but really just there's a specific number of guys that are highlighted what they do in the community. But, you know, all of these guys do so much in their communities and they, you know, where they've came from and what they do to help their families. And, and yeah, like we're, no one's perfect. We're not going to go out there and have the best game of our lives every single, every single week. It's just, it's impossible, man. It's a long season. We feel like crap every single day, you know, Monday through, through Friday, to be honest with you, because it's like being in a car accident on Monday you feel like crap on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you start to feel a little bit better. It's, it's, it's tough, man. And, and I think that just is, we just don't, we don't talk about that enough is like what, what these us as, as football players, like what we're putting our bodies through every single week to go out there and perform most of the time hurt, right? it's rare to go through a season feeling a hundred percent. That's actually, it's unheard of. It just doesn't happen. At, so, at some point in the season, you're going to deal with an injury, a, a you know, ankle, shoulder, neck, back, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, you're still asked to go out there and compete and you're going to do what it takes to go out there and do that. It's not talked about enough. How many hours that, that these guys are putting in on, you know, not on camera in the training room, in treatment, you know, taking medicine and these and all this stuff that, you know, maybe it, it, it's long term. And, you know, this has been a topic of conversation for a long time. Right. Guys are taking it, drugs and stuff that can help with inflammation and pain. But like there are a lot of studies out there that say this is not good for your long term health. But we take that without even thinking about it because we have to be out there on a Sunday to perform because we know that we're going to be scrutinized or we're going to be looked at in a different, you know, at, at, we're under a different microscope, right? No one's talking about the ankle or the back or that you were hurt. It's only, you know, how did you perform on a Sunday? So I think that again, like I, I don't, I'm not making excuses. I've certainly gone out there and, and had bad games but I would I would never come into a locker room and be like, oh, well, I had a, uh, a sprained ankle. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not an excuse to me. And I don't think anyone else, that would be an excuse to them out there, like, because I still had a job to do. And if I was out there, I was capable of doing my job well enough and to the best of my ability. But I think that the relationship between media and the players could, could, uh, could turn for you know, it could be spun in a different way, a little bit where it's like, Hey man, how are you feeling this week? Mm -hmm. And you know, listen, if you're in New England, you're never going to talk about your injuries, mm -hmm. man. But like, you know, it's, it, it almost, it's almost, it, it opens up almost a different line of communication between yeah, yeah, yeah. you no, and I, me, I agree. right? Where it's like, yeah. Hey, I'm not asking about the game. It's like, how, how are you feeling this week? Like, yeah. You know, I feel great. Right. 
even though I probably feel like crap, but like, I don't know, that kind of breaks down that barrier a little bit. And uh, I've always, I've always enjoyed talking to the media, good, bad, or, you know, whatever it was. And and I've had all ends of it, right. Where things were very good. Things were not great. And, you know, I've had people say to me, this is, you're playing great. And it's like, why are you even out on the field? And, (laughs) you know, it's my job to always answer those those questions as a professional and, and to do that accordingly and never to put myself in a bad light or, or ever get upset about it because, you know, at the end of the day, like the media has a job too, and you have to be able to respect both sides of it. Um, but again, I think, um, you know, what, what football players and I think athletes in general put their, put their bodies through for, you know, a small portion of their lives to try to do support their families and support themselves. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I think people, some people understand it. I don't know if everyone really understands it. Right. I mean, my friends used to joke with me all the time. It's like, Oh, you only play 17 days out of the year. It's like, bro, I put more weeks in, I put more hours in, in a week than you've done this entire month. Yeah. You know, I get it that I'm playing a game, but the amount of effort and, prep and, and studying that you do to to be able to go out there on Sundays you know I'm not sure everyone really understands that I, I, I always try and tell young reporters that there is a fundamental humanity that is on their shoulders that you need to get to know these players as individuals yeah and that awesome. helps you see the bigger picture whether it's going to one of their charity events whether it's talking to them about a hobby, whether it's talking to them about a family or yeah. anything else, find out something that they enjoy, create a connection, you and then you start to see them differently. Yeah, 100%. And we, and in turn, you know, you come into a locker room and you see all these guys, you know, in front of your locker. It's like, if you don't know them, you know, you're going to be short answered, right? You're going to give them the, the, the short answer of everything. But, you know, like for you and me, right? We obviously have developed this relationship doing this podcast. You know, if I had seen you in the locker room, be like, "Hey, man, what? Like, what's up, Chris?" Mm-hmm. You know, and talk to you. And maybe it's more of a communication, and uh, you're going to answer questions, and I'm going to give you more feedback on it mm-hmm. because there is that relationship. So, yeah. I th- I get like what you said is is awesome. You know, I think, and I think a lot of guys probably share your way of thinking and. But I think there's a lot of stuff from the outside media that maybe is not in the locker room every single day and covering the team that, you know, and, and again, listen, it's tough to establish relationship with every, with every single guy. Yeah. But and it's, it's not way. possible. Yeah. It yeah. goes a long way, though. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is it's different for beat reporters. So like me, who are around the team every single day, as opposed to like a national reporter or someone else, a TV yeah. guy who's just, you know, helicoptering in once a week or once a month or, you know, to kind of get a sound bite and then leave. So it's different for different people. Best guy I ever came in contact with is, is that you referenced there is is Kevin Falk, who yeah. didn't really talk a lot. And I could go to Kevin and I could say, look, Kevin, help me understand here. What what you know, help me be a better reporter. Help me understand the game a little bit more. What am I seeing? So yeah, we got a long way to go on both sides, but I think yeah. a lot of guys are getting better. A lot of men and women in the business, yeah. the media business yeah. are getting better. Totally. Like what I said before, recognizing that fundamental humanity. Real quickly, before we we wrap up here, I want to get a couple thoughts. Patriots. Broncos, Christmas Eve in Denver. I'm going to be at the Courtyard by Marriott in Denver celebrating my Christmas day. God bless my family for understanding that this is a different kind of year. Uh, but God I, bless I want all to get, families. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I want to get um, a couple of real quick thoughts from you as to what that game might look like. 
as we start to wrap up or start to get close to the end of the season? Yeah, I mean, listen, but Broncos are playing for a lot, right? I mean, they're they're still not out of the hunt here, and and they're you know trying to fight for that in that wild card spot in the AFC. And I think that you know going out to Denver, playing it's going to be cold. You know, I mean, assuming it's going to be cold, it's a tough place to play. It's a tough place to travel to, just because. Listen, that that altitude and all that stuff really does take effect in into you playing. I remember going out there in New England, playing out there. It was freezing cold. And I remember being gassed in, like, the first quarter. I was like, what the hell is going on? And, like, trying to get the oxygen. Um, but, listen, I mean, listen, that that team has, you know, turned things around, obviously, a lot. I mean, there's still a lot of people, you know, really picking it at, you know, at, at that at Russell and his ability to, you know, play quarterback of the team, making those plays. But, you know, they've played a, a much better football in the second half of the season. And I'm sure that they're going to be out there, you know, with a lot on the line, you know, and for new England, I think it's, again, these games are not, it's not about anyone else other than new England. And how, how are we going to continue to rally around each other to finish off this season? And listen, we lose these last two games. Okay. No big deal. But like, let's not just roll it out there. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't expect that to happen because we've shown that really the, over the course of the last half of the season that that's that's not going to happen. And let's go out there and, and just make it again. Like, let's make it very, very hard for people to beat New England. It's not just going to be a cakewalk. I can guarantee you that that defense will not allow that. And I think that Zappy has only improved every single week. And I think that those guys are going to see the improvement. And I think that his guys are going to step up their level, their, their game a little bit. But we'll see what happens. Chris Hogan, thank you very much, my friend. We will not talk before Christmas. So I wanted to wish you a happy holidays. We will catch up again uh, next week. Uh, really, I think I'm thinking next Wednesday or so, a couple days after Christmas. Right. So have a great holiday. Take care and we'll talk again soon. You too, Chris. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. One more reminder, this episode of the Patriot Sport has been brought to you by Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with a college football playoff ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.